The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7, episode 865. Today it's my spoiler-free review of Star Wars Catalyst, a Rogue One novel. Punch it, Chewie. Feel a disturbance in the Force? It's Star Wars 7x7, your daily seven-minute podcast. With your host, Alan Voivod. Destiny Unleashed. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And here we go with a real strong run-up to Rogue One. So we all know, of course, that Rogue One is the story about how the Death Star plans are stolen. But like any good story, there is a lot of backstory. And we already know that there are a lot of characters involved that have a history with each other, particularly Orson Krennic and Galen Erso. And Galen's wife, Lyra Erso, also plays a significant part in this whole relationship, as does Jin in her way. Jin, of course, appears as a very young child in the novel. That's, of course, something we already know, so don't worry, I haven't spoiled anything for you yet. In fact, there's not really going to be anything spoilery here, as I promised at the top. So you may listen to this comfortably, knowing in your heart that you will not have the novel or its events spoiled for you. That being said, later in the week I am going to get spoilery, so if you are of the kind who doesn't mind spoilers or you don't plan on reading the novel Catalyst but you're interested to hear about the backstory of what goes on, then I will be sharing those details for you. Now, we know from the excerpt from Chapter 5 that was published in USA Today that the Ursos and Director Krennic, Director Krennic is what his title is in Rogue One in the movie itself, but he has a much different set of titles in this book, they hadn't had any contact really for a number of years before Krennic got involved with their rescue from a Separatist-controlled planet during the Clone Wars. That's how the relationship begins again. And the rest of the novel has to do a very interesting thing. It has to tell the story of the deepening relationship between Orson Krennic, Galen Erso, and Lyra Erso, and all the permutations thereof, Orson with Galen, Orson with Lyra, and Galen with Lyra, amidst the backdrop of what is going on in the galaxy itself. It starts out, you know, with the whole Separatist-controlled planet thing and them having to be rescued and whatnot. It starts out during the Clone Wars, but it extends beyond that. It extends into the dark times before the Empire. How long? Not going to tell you just yet. Again, we're spoiler-free at this point. And another thing we already know is that the novel is deeply concerned with the Death Star construction project. Now... In a podcast a while back, I shared how I had tweeted out to Pablo Hidalgo a question about the construction of the Death Star, and the gist of the question was this. We know that the Separatists were working on the design of the Death Star because at the end of Attack of the Clones, there was that exchange between Count Dooku and Paga the Lesser, and Paga was saying we can't let the Republic know about our plans for the ultimate weapon, and Dooku takes it and says it'll be safe in my master's hands. And we know, of course, that Dooku's master is Darth Sidious, a.k.a. Chancellor Palpatine at that point, soon to become Emperor Palpatine. And so it sort of begs the question, were there two different Death Star projects going on? Were the Geonosians and the Separatists working on one and the Republic working on another? 
And that's the gist of the question I asked Pablo. And Pablo tweeted back, let's see what Catalyst has to say about the subject. And so I waited, I read, and I saw, and Catalyst does definitely answer that question in a very decisive way for you. It also does a very good job of setting up the relationship that the Ursos have with Krennic that we're going to see in the beginning of Rogue One. And, just for fun, it also gives you the name of the planet that the Ursos are on that we see at the very beginning of Rogue One. Or at least we're presuming it's the beginning of Rogue One. You know, it's that green and rocky world that Krennic and his Death Troopers are marching on. And (laughs) Galen is telling Jin that whatever he's doing, he's doing for her. Asking if she understands, yeah, that planet. What's even more fun is as they start expanding the story to include more of the backdrop of what's going on in the galaxy, you're also going to run into some familiar faces as well. At least one of whom is going to play a significant part in the Rogue One movie. I'm going to keep it quiet again for this podcast, but don't worry, I'll reveal all later this week. I will say that it does set up that character's appearance and relationship to the Ursos very well. Now, there's a thing at the very front of the book before any of the action takes place. It's part of the copyright page and all that stuff. And it says that the book is written in partnership with Leland Chi, Pablo Hidalgo, Matt Martin, and Rain Roberts of the Lucasfilm Story Group, with special thanks to Gareth Edwards and the screenwriters and producers of Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Now, it's worth calling out because... None of the books that were included in The Journey to the Force Awakens had anything like that included in them. And this isn't just an acknowledgments thing like you see thanks to those folks for helping out at various parts of things. No, this is actually a definitive kind of statement that this was almost a collaborative effort. I mean, maybe not almost. Maybe it was, in fact, a collaborative effort of some sort. James Luceno, who is the author of the book, has written a number of books in the Star Wars universe, most recently Tarkin, one of the first, actually the second, to be specific, canon novels in the new canon. And this note about it being written in partnership with Leland, Pablo, Matt, and Rain, well, I guess it suggests, at the very least, that they knew the backstory of these characters very deeply and didn't necessarily want James Lucena to be inventing it so much. That's at least one way of thinking about it, for sure. And, heck, maybe it's also partly because material that Gary Whitta or Chris White's worked on for the Rogue One movie, maybe they had backstory stuff developed that would bear on the events of Rogue One, the movie, but wasn't necessarily fit for including in the movie, and maybe some of that material was just kind of squirreled off to the side and said, okay, yeah, we're going to save this and make this part of Catalyst and make this some of the material that James Luceno draws off of. Back to the novel itself, however. We know already, it's public information, that Galen's research is energy-focused and that Krennic, after rescuing the Ursos from their captivity, offers Galen the chance to continue his research with all the assets of the Republic at his disposal. Now, the description for the novel talks about how Galen and Lyra think that the energy research is going to be used for altruistic things, but it's not the case, obviously. Krennic has ulterior motives and is using Galen to weaponize the research and make the Death Star a reality. And the novel essentially is a bit of a slow burn because you see this research being developed, you see the components of the Death Star coming together, and the novel itself becomes about the dawning awareness of Galen and Lyra that their work is being subverted and corrupted. And climactically, the novel centers around what they decide to do with their growing and dawning knowledge and dread of what's actually happening with Galen's research. 
Now, it sounds like it could be a little boring if it's just a researcher figuring out, oh, wait a minute, my research is not being used the way it's supposed to be. But like I said, it's playing out against the backdrop of other things going on in the galaxy, and we get a very cool cast of colorful supporting characters. Most notably, a smuggler named Haas Obit, who is initially used by Krennic for some very nefarious deeds, but obviously that changes over the course of the story. Ultimately, though, the novel becomes a bit of a cautionary tale, if you will, about morality and about the choices one makes and about the slippery slope between doing what's right and doing what's right for either the right reasons or the wrong reasons, and how outside influences can be used to either support or manipulate the choices you make. I won't go out on a limb and say that this is my favorite of the new canon novels. That honor would go to Bloodline by Claudia Gray. But I will say, well, I mean, I guess you kind of have to group them at this point because there have been enough novels that have come out now that it almost seems disingenuous to say, well, now this is my fifth favorite novel because there are 12 novels out and this, that, and the other. But I'd say this is in my top third at least. It does a terrific job of detailing the relationship between the Ursos and Krennic and how that relationship breaks down. And quite honestly, I guess I wouldn't have seen that coming from James Luceno. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you, the only books of his that I've read are Tarkin and this novel, Catalyst. And I would say that the interpersonal relationship situation isn't as deeply explored or isn't part of the story devices of Tarkin. I mean, it kind of is in the way that Tarkin and Vader form a grudging, if not friendship, then certainly good collaborative relationship. But certainly developing a good relationship between a husband and wife and a young daughter, that was very well done. And it's kind of interesting to see young Star Wars heroes as we are seeing now. We have Jin, and Jin is definitely not relegated to the background, per se. We get a good chunk of Jin in the story. And we also got little bits here and there of young Princess Leia in the Ahsoka novel, too. Though not nearly to the degree in the Ahsoka novel for Leia that we get in the Catalyst novel about Jin. In fact, you might get a little bit of insight about how Jin thinks of the Empire as a result of the events of the novel. I'm very much looking forward to sharing more details about it, but in the meantime, if you are a fan of Star Wars novels, if you're a fan of James Luceno's work, I think you will quite enjoy Catalyst. And that is going to do it for my review of Catalyst. I do have a trivia question for you on the other side of the break, so stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. You're listening to this podcast. Maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story, too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles. Anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7X7. Hey, welcome back. I've got K2SO here with me, and I was going to ask him what he thinks about the switch to behind-the-scenes questions about The Force Awakens. I will not kill you. Okay, well, I guess that will have to do. Last time I asked you for the name of the island in real life where Ray and Luke's scenes at the end of The Force Awakens was filmed, and that's Skellig Michael. Today's question, what's the name of the studio where the interiors of The Force Awakens were filmed? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you test out your new robot hand, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. 
And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at patreon.com slash sw7x7. It's not the Rebel Fleet, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars. Unless we hope you love it.